Hello and welcome back to the GamerNode Show. This is episode 74 and I'm your host, Eddie Zotto, and editor-in-chief of GamerNode.com. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Uh, today we're going to do something a little different. I'm just going to go straight into a little bit of discussion about a game that I've been trying out on my iOS device. It's the port, the mobile port, now available for iOS, Android, and most recently Steam, of a card game that was well known for its accessibility issues. The game is Race for the Galaxy. And, you know, this is often cited as an example of a card game that has a steep learning curve and one that experienced players might not want to play with rookies and vice versa. So, despite the fact that Tom Lehman's quick-playing Space Empire Engine Builder is a fantastic design, this fact often leaves the game out in the cold when it comes to popularity with a fair number of gamers. So, it is actually quite fortunate that Temple Gates Games has brought the game to iOS and Android in a clean, simple, and understandable way, and um, I've been playing it on my small-screened iPhone SE, and it does have the problem of small font and the necessity to take the time to zoom in on every card that you're looking at, but um, overall, I think it's a great port, and uh, it really suits the sort of solo play experience that I've had with it because the game does require a bit of learning and jumping in with players who are familiar with it can often be uh, disheartening to a new player and um, unsatisfying to the experienced players. And if a bunch of new players get together, uh, perhaps the game can just devolve into a, a bit of a mess. So something like this on iOS makes it so that players can become familiar with the game and then perhaps maybe uh, sit down at the table with the physical copy. Um, Race for the Galaxy itself is quite a good game. So this is uh, in the Puerto Rico family of games. Um, Race for the Galaxy and San Juan, they are card game versions of the lead and follow mechanic pioneered in the, the action drafting game Puerto Rico. Um, so these games exist without a board, without a physical play space in the center of the table, and they both make use of multi-use cards, which are primarily used as the building or or planet or technology shown on the card depending on which game you're looking at or as a currency to pay for those or if you're producing goods they act as goods as well so these cards are used for multiple things and we're gonna switch away from San Juan and just look at Race for the Galaxy this is a game where players will choose one of five phase actions simultaneously and in secret and then reveal them all at once 
And for every action that was revealed, all players get to do that action, but the player who put that action forth gets to do a special version of that action, usually with a bonus. So with the explore action, for example, the basic action is draw two cards and keep one, but if you are the player who chooses the action, you can either draw five additional cards and keep one, or you can draw and keep an additional card. Same thing goes for development. If you are the player who chooses the development action, then you get to pay one fewer card to pay for that development. If you choose the settle action, and you're, you're the player who puts forth that action, you get to draw an additional card after you've settled a planet. There are a lot of really intricate and detailed and special case rules in Race for the Galaxy that when you're playing at a table, they may be hard to track. And with this iOS game, you have all of the rules and explanations for these icons explained to you, and as it turns out, the iconography becomes the way that you actually can quickly see what's going on on each of these cards, because as I said earlier, the cards in your hand run along the bottom of the screen, and they're all very small, and you have to hold your finger on one of them for it to zoom up into the center of the screen, showing the card, all its iconography, and simple plain language explanations of what those symbols mean, which you do not get in the physical game. You have to go just on those icons, but here you get both. So on iOS, it plays really well. I imagine on a larger screen than my small 4-inch, like on an iPad, it would be phenomenal. But even here, it plays very well, despite the uh, minor inconvenience of having to hold down on those cards to zoom in. So great work here on what was already a great game that had some accessibility issues, this iOS version and the Android version, and presumably the Steam version, all make the game a little bit more accessible. So as far as a rating goes on the Gamernode scale for Race for the Galaxy, I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5, which is a great game. Um, survives on the strength of the original card game, Race for the Galaxy, by Tom Lehman. But it's a good port over to the digital side by Templegate Games, so I could definitely comfortably recommend this to most people. And I would include it on my own phone. Um, now we're going to move into the audio version of our recent video review of Secret Hitler. Today I'm thinking about preventing the wrong guy from getting into office. What game am I talking about? It's Secret Hitler from Goat, Wolf, and Cabbage, and it's a social deduction game where players play as either liberals or fascists with one character playing as Hitler and trying so hard to become the chancellor under the president in order to win the game while the liberals stop him from getting into office. There's a lot of lies, deceit, second-guessing, trickery, bluffing, begging people to believe you when you're telling the truth, and utter disappointment when you get the wrong hand of policies. It's a lot of fun, and I'll take it over 
a lot of other social deduction games. Let's jump in, take a look at it, and uh, then I'll give you my final verdict. So in a game of Secret Hitler, all the players around the table will be dealt a roll card and a party card. They can either be a liberal, in which case they won't have any special role to be liberal and liberal, or they can be a fascist, in which case they'll either be a regular fascist or Hitler. Um, now throughout the game, we'll go around in a circle and each player will become president in turn. And the president chooses a chancellor from the other players around the table. All the other players then have the opportunity to vote yes or no, whether they want this particular president and chancellor team to go ahead and proceed with policymaking. If they don't, the president passes along to the next player and chooses a new chancellor. If they do, then that president draws three policy cards from a face-down stack, looks at them, chooses two, discards one, gives the two to the chancellor, and the chancellor then must look at those two and choose one to enact while discarding the other. On the policy cards, it's very simple. It's either a liberal policy or a fascist policy. Pass enough liberal policies and the liberals win. Pass enough fascist policies and the fascists win. So you don't want the opposite party passing policies. And with this sort of unknown element, I have three cards and I can ditch one. I can force the chancellor, if I'm the president, to have to choose a fascist policy if I'm a fascist. Or I can give them a choice and tell everyone I've given them a choice. There's a lot of manipulation going on using these policy cards and the truth or lies. Once a certain number of policies have been passed, different privileges come into play. Uh, you might be able to look at a player's role. You might be able to kill off a player, depending on where you've gotten in the game. Um, and the other way the game can end is if after a certain number of rounds, the table approves a party where secret Hitler is the chancellor, mm -hmm. not the president because the president moves around the table. But if the president chooses Hitler as his chancellor and the table lets it go through, it's another way for the game to end. Um, that's pretty much it. You just play until one team wins, either by brute forcing policies or by sneakily getting the secret Hitler into the chancellor role. Oh, the other one is if the liberals choose to kill Hitler using one of those special opportunities, then the liberals win. And that's the game. So as social deduction games go, for me, uh, this is way up there. This may be up at the top. I'm not a big social deduction sort of guy. I'm not a fan of the resistance, um, Avalon. They don't. They just don't do it for me. But Secret Hitler has just enough of a twist and just enough hard information to play with and to go off of as whatever type of liberal or fascist you may be that the game becomes a little bit more tangible and a little bit less BS. And I really do enjoy this one. I think... Having those three policies in hand 
and having each round consist of a different president and chancellor taking those policies, taking the two, giving them to the chancellor, chancellor picking one and enacting it. I think using the information from what one player says to what the other player says and what you know about the deck full of policies before they run out and you have to reshuffle them. You can make educated guesses as well as play off of the players around the table. So it's just the right mix of social and deduction. And I really like the topic. The theme is wonderful. The, um, the production quality in this game is fantastic. They make the wooden box version, which I don't know if you'll be able to get. I'm sure you could find it. Um, but even the regular version, beautiful boards, a different board for every player count, sort of an inlaid gold leaf kind of graphic design. Beautiful. Everything very, very nice. Top quality. And those wooden name tags for the president and chancellor. Really great. Really well put together game and uh, good mechanics. So yeah, this Secret Hitler definitely trumps all the other social deduction games that people generally pull out on a game night at the beginning or end of the night as a filler. Um, I, would, I would take this one over any of them. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 on the Gamer Node scale, which is excellent. And uh, I do recommend it. And I think you should at least play it. Someone's got to have it. If someone's playing this game, I, I wouldn't hesitate jumping in and seeing what it's all about. When I first heard about it, I was like, what? Secret Hitler? So weird. What a weird name. But yeah, just so good. And exactly as it says, there's a secret Hitler around the table. And he is trying to get in and ruin everything for everyone. All right, so that is Secret Hitler. Uh, one of my favorite social deduction games and definitely one worth checking out, as I said. And finally, for our last little segment, I'm just going to talk about a game that I've played a little bit on Steam. It is actually a follow-up to one of my favorite games of all time for the NES, River City Ransom. This is River City Ransom Underground, and uh, it's been out for a little while now. I believe it came out in February of this year. And it is just, at first glance, it is everything you ever wanted as a River City Ransom fan. And for those of you who aren't familiar with River City Ransom, this is one of the early Technos Japan games for the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. It is a fantastic side-scrolling beat-em-up that added RPG elements. Every enemy would drop coins and you would earn money and then use that money to stop into various eateries and bookstores and use that money for food and every time you ate food you would learn what that food affected in terms of your stats and and what the boosts would be and you would go through the game continually raising your stats in that way as well as reading books at the various bookstores to learn special moves you could play cooperatively with another player, and the game had an interesting and elaborate save code system where you'd put in a bunch of lines of, of alphanumeric characters to bring back your game state. And it was an open world. You would travel from 
one part of the map to another, and maybe then backtrack to find particular bosses. You would get little clues here and there from certain NPC characters, and um, they would lead you on your path. But it was very much an exploratory process until the end, and just a fantastically tight piece of gameplay and game design. Wonderful, wonderful game. Definitely a classic and one of the best of all time, in my opinion. But River City Ransom Underground was long overdue as in concept as a sequel to River City Ransom. This is a game that I've wanted a sequel to forever, but um, there have been attempts that didn't really hit the mark. They didn't they didn't replicate that same original game engine. They tried to take it to the Super Nintendo with a totally revamped game that was only uh, a River City Ransom in name. And um, nothing really stood out as a true sequel, but River City Ransom Underground is almost a perfect emulation of the style of play that us uh, 1980s kids used to love and we grew up on and have been wanting. But it also adds a bunch of new features like different characters, multiple different playable characters, each with their own style of fighting, different animations, and particular moves that are unique to those characters. They move at different speeds. There's, for example, a boxer who does all punches and can put together cool combos. Um, a... I guess, capoeira-style girl fighter um, who does a lot of sort of acrobatic little kicks and twirls and spins. And all these characters chain their moves together as you learn their different combos and add new moves to their repertoire. And I love the physical gameplay system and the way that the characters react to player inputs. Just it has that tangible feeling that I always talk about in video games. It just feels really tight and really responsive and it's a joy to play uh, tactilely. Um, it has that same sort of open world except it's a much larger world and it's kind of, uh, I don't want to say frustrating, but it can be tedious to explore, especially when you're given some of these same old school style clues as to where you're to go next. You find yourself searching through many, many screens full of enemies and fighting numerous bad guys just to see if something shows up. And there's an interesting system in place here where the police will come after you and then they will just show up constantly on every screen that you go to and that can be a little bit frustrating and it makes you feel like you're really kind of struggling against the game and what it's throwing at you despite the immediate gratification you get when starting up the game and playing through of that great gameplay. Um, so it's, it's somewhat of a mixed bag. I definitely would recommend it to anyone who is a fan of the original. Now, full disclosure, I haven't finished the game, and that's because I did find it a bit tedious, and I didn't want to spend the time fighting some of the same bad guys over and over and uh, not making progress as, as uh, readily as I would have liked. But I am going to finish, and I would recommend the game to any fan of River City Ransom, even if it's only for the initial, you know, few hours of gameplay, just to sort of like have that joy of, of the River City Ransom formula in a new package and uh, with some new features added. 
I, I do like this game a lot. If the original River City Ransom was a 5 out of 5, and it definitely was, um, I'm going to say that this one is below that. It's uh, maybe a 4 out of 5. Um, and depending on your level of patience, this could be even a 3 out of 5 for you. Just because the raw enjoyment of the game does kind of wear off before you feel like you're really invested fully into the River City Ransom Underground experience. But that's not to say that it's a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. I definitely say it's a good, strong game. So I'd say, you know, maybe a low four. So that's River City Ransom Underground. And interestingly enough, you can't buy it right now. Uh, they're embroiled in a strange digital rights claim from the composer. Uh, I fully expect this game to be available again on Steam for PC and Mac, uh, hopefully in the near future, because this game should be available to everyone, especially nostalgic and retro style gamers. Definitely worth a look. That's River City Ransom Underground from Konatus Creative. Um, so that's that's all I got for you for this short episode of The Gamer Node Show, episode 74. Thanks for listening. We're going to hit you with some new stuff coming up. I plan to take a look at Spiel des Jahres winners and some other games that we've gotten to the board gaming table recently. So you can expect another episode or two coming really soon and maybe a more regular schedule from that point on. Once again, Eddie and Zotto, GamerNode.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, you have fun out there. We'll see you on the next show.